Hello, 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 and welcome to Capital Musings, your TDI podcast where we focus on fresh ideas that make finance work for the poor. I'm Eduardo Tanchoni, your host, and you can find Capital Musings on Spotify, Apple, or our dedicated website, podcast.uncdf.org. The theme of this season is the road to Doha, which focused on talking about possible priorities for LBCs in the lead up to the fifth year conference for the least developed countries to be held in Doha, Qatar in January 2022. Today, I have the pleasure of meeting Washikala Malango, co-founder and CEO of Altec Group. Altec Group works on expanding access to clean, reliable, renewable, and affordable energy for all especially often for great households in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Thank you for joining us today, Washikala. Thank you, Adelbo. It's my pleasure. Tell us a little bit more about your life journey thus far and what brought you to working on sustainable development. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. My name is Washikala Malango. I was born and raised in the Democratic Republic of Congo, Eastern Congo. In the 1990s, I had to flee to Tanzania for safety because of the civil wars in those years. And that also affected a lot of other families and many people in Congo. So I had to go and stay in Tanzania in a refugee camp for almost a decade. And during my time in Tanzania, I got a chance to go to the university. And uh, after finishing my university studies, I decided to return to the DRC in 2011, in spite of all the security challenges at, at that time, and been contributing to the post-COVID reconstruction of Congo since then. So yeah, I'm happy. There is nothing I regret about my decision to come. Uh, this Congo is a very great country and I'm very, very happy to be part of it and be part of the efforts contributing to its development. Thank you, Washikala. Tell us a little bit more as to why you returned to your home country, DRC. Yeah, that's a very good question. After living in Tanzania in refuge for almost a decade, my friend and I started discussing about DRC's development and especially it's like the problem of image poverty in the country and how it affects a lot of people. And we also realized that DRC really needs the efforts of every Congolese to bring it to a level that it deserves. We said, okay, let's go back home because first of all, Tanzania does not need as much. There are a lot of Tanzania that are working to solve problems in Tanzania and uh, we should go back and also be part of efforts that are bringing about development in the DRC. We decided just to come and, and be part of those efforts. That's very interesting, Washikala. I think, you know, it's a story to be told, I need to say, when it comes to going back, giving back, yeah. you know, so the opportunity that you've had in Tanzania during this uh, almost 20 years that you've been, like 10 years, you said? 10 years. 10 years. Okay, almost a decade there. So then tell us a little bit more about your life in a refugee camp. How does that feel? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, so we fled. I was still very young at that time. So we... We had to cross Lake Tanganyika on a wooden boat to reach the other part, that is Tanzania. So when we reached Tanzania, we were taken to a 
place called Lugufu refugee camp. At that particular time, it was really new. So you, you know, where there is influx of refugees in a, in a, in a country, the government of the host country, what does in most cases to allocate a portion of a land or forest where people, refugees put together. And at that particular time, like Lugufu refugee camp was still in this huge portion of land or forest where we had to build our houses from scratch. Yeah. So you have left everything back home and just you are there with the little things that you could manage to take. And then definitely we are in this new place where you have to adapt quickly and adjust your life to the new realities. <laughs> so it wasn't easy, you know, for many people, it was very difficult, but again, as the time passes, you, you know, people tend to adapt quickly and they live their lives. So that's what we did. And we thank God because, you know, the UNHCR managed to set up schools where children started going to and they get an education that I also benefited of that. And after I did almost my secondary school in refugee camp, and after completing my secondary education, I got that scholarship funded by German government to go to the University of Dar es Salaam. So yeah, it was uh, a life full of challenges, but also full of life lessons. And, uh, you know, it teaches you like the importance of peace because when people are living in a peaceful country, they tend most to take peace for granted, which is not, it is a precious thing to protect, right? So you learn and you adapt and you grow out of all the challenges to become a better person. Thank you, Washikala. I think you, you really brought up uh, a story of resilience, I need to say, most importantly, just uh, the importance of adapting, recognizing the opportunities that you may have had also by moving to Tanzania for uh, such a long time. And also the willingness and the selflessness that comes into play when you are willing to bring back to your own country those lessons learned that you have acquired. I want to dig deeper though on a very important element that you talked about, which is the importance of peace. So what do you mean by that? Beyond a very simplistic way of looking at it, but especially your day-to-day -day life in the work that you do when it comes to access to energy, what's the relationship in your view between peace and sustainable development and, you know, access to energy, for instance? Yeah, definitely. I strongly believe that peace is the foundation of every development, right? If there is no peace, definitely, it is very difficult to achieve any other development goals that a country or a population has. So, for instance, if you look at the development goals that the world has established, all of those based on, first of all, peace. You need to have peace to make sure that you can develop a foundation to get to those sustainable development goals when it comes to the SDG 7 or any other development goals that have how you need peace. So that's why I think that it's very important that people do not take this for granted because it is the foundation for bringing any development or achieving any development goals. 
Indeed, Washikala, indeed. I think, you know, normally, especially in our world, when it comes to finance and lots of the stories that we talked about in our podcast, mm-hmm. you know, we always talk about an enabling environment, creating that enabling environment yeah. that would crowd in financing opportunities for everyone. Also, you know, the enabling environment also implies the peace dimension and that sometimes, especially in some contexts, we normally like some of us may take it for granted. So thank you for reminding us of that. Now, enough <laughs> about the past. Let's talk about today. Tell us everything about Altec. What it did, what you do. I've tried to summarize it, but I think you know, <laughs> give us more flair yeah. around what that actually. So Altec Group is a teenage company that has been working with the DRC for over seven years now. So as I said, we were in Tanzania. And when in Tanzania, we started discussing about the DRC with my colleague, my, my friends at the university. And while discussing with the DRC and in general, one of the areas where we ended up really focusing much on is energy poverty in the DRC and how it affects poor households and even the country's development in general. And we also started discussing about how we were ourselves affected by energy poverty growing up. Because as I said, I was born and raised in Eastern Congo in a place where it is completely off grid. And then we had also to go to Tanzania, to retreat to Tanzania for safety and live in a refugee camp, which was also completely off grid. So we didn't have access to electricity uh, or any form of modern energy. And so we had to use alternative sources of energy for lighting, for anything, for cooking, for lighting, and any other thing that we could think of. And we knew and we experienced firsthand the impact of lack of access to energy on a household, on people's lives. So, because we lived it. So when we were discussing, uh, we said, okay, how can we, this is an area that we were passionate about. We decided and started discussing about how we can go back to the DRC and contribute to its post-conflict reconstruction in the area of eradicating energy poverty. And that is how my friend and I decided to come with a mission of creating or working in the clean energy sector. So before we came, because we were a number of our young Ogolese studying in Tanzania, at different colleges in Tanzania. So before we came, we said, okay, let us get this news out to other people, to our friends, and try to convince them to return to DRC with us. So we convened a meeting, an emergency meeting in Dar es Salaam, bringing all these young people to Dar es Salaam. And during that meeting, we pitched to them, <laughs> you know, tried to convince them to go back to DRC. The reason being why the DRC needs us more than Tanzania does. So we should go back and try and uh, contribute whatever that we can to, to the DRC. But again, okay, we understand it wasn't an interesting proposition for a lot of people. So we end up coming only us, me and my friend, to the DRC. And uh, definitely when we reached here, the situation was not good in terms of the security situation I'm talking about. But we said, okay, no problem. So we decided to put our own personal savings together and started Altec. And at the beginning, we brought in solar kits and we piloted them in our own village town called Paraka. 
So we converted the pilot in Baraka. And then we realized that it's something that we could scale across the DRC. And then we started scaling the business across the DRC and we managed through the scale through the business that we established to now we managed to sell hundreds of thousands of solar products. We have been able to get thousands of jobs and currently we are operational across all the DRC. We manage over 75 sales shops. We have uh, a workforce of over 300 full-time employees. We work with uh, more than 3,000 commission banks. Uh, so it has been a very good and a very interesting journey so far for Adek. Thanks for sharing, Moshikala. Thank you so much for sharing this story, like from the convening power that you applied back in Tanzania. And now the one that I presume you're also applying on the ground in the DRC. Just tell us a little bit more the reaction or what's the sentiment around those communities that you went back to, so back to your mm-hmm. roots. And yep. especially in a place where there was, as you described it, there was no energy. And as I said, it was completely off grid. What was the reaction? And also from an employment perspective, you know, access to opportunities, like the reaction on the ground in DRC, what makes it so unique? Definitely. So like many other areas in the DRC that are off grid, is that people are using other alternatives better alternative for lighting, for charging mobile phones and for powering their home appliances. So that we know that, we knew that, and we still know that because we live that reality and we live in that reality. And definitely, so when you bring a new solution, especially in terms of solar products in a market that first of all, people already used to using those better alternatives, but also they have had very bad experience with poor quality products, whether those web solar products or not, but they have also had very poor experience with, you know, poor quality program. People then tend to resist, right? They don't adopt new as quick as possible. So we need to go there and convince them that this is the right solution for them. So in our case, in terms of solar products, first of all, we have to convince to show them the benefit that they will get by adopting the solar kits. But also, we had also to demonstrate to them that these were not those poor quality products maybe they had experienced in the past. These were high quality and that's why we, we were giving them like some, you know, replacement warranties and things like that. So we have to put all that together to convince people. But the good thing is, once people, a few of them adopt and the product does not really disappoint in terms of performance and in terms of quality and durability, definitely they become ambassadors in their community, telling other community members that these are good. We see the benefits, we experience the benefits and the news spread. So that's the approach we used in Baraka to getting people to adopt our products. Thank you, Washikana. I think we really touched upon a, a very critical element that, especially in the next context, in humanitarian development peace nexus like the DRC, are key to make sure that there's not, not only from a private sector perspective, you know, adopting new technologies, adopting new innovation, but most importantly, making sure that it's durable, that whatever solution we bring in comes from 
those people that we're trying to serve. So making them part of the solution, making them, first of all, experience how by adopting a new technology that is more sustainable, that is more environmental friendly, that doesn't deplete any of the natural resources and make your country so unique, that's when really you can see a possible change. And we are so, I'm very thankful for experiences like you yourselves that really bring about this change and are trying to, to make it happen with all the difficulties that a fragile context like yeah. DRC may have, which is actual country. And it's so diverse, so full of energy, so full of specificities. That is a great place to go if you manage and a great place to learn more about. And it's a very unique example of what I would see. Maybe like right now, just you had this idea, you mm-hmm. of bringing back. It was also an example of a, a South-South kind of cooperation element when it comes to going to another LDC like Tanzania to study and willing to come back mm-hmm. to for peer learning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you had this idea and you need the capital to move on, to make it Definitely. happen in a way, right? So... Especially in fragile contexts like the DRC market, where does accessing to capital come into play in your business model or in any other businesses that would like to start, especially in fragile contexts within the energy sector, for example? Yeah, definitely. So I think when you raise the issue of access to capital, it's a very important element because if you look at our experience, when we started, we don't look much on external funding and how it can help us grow. So we, we decided to use what we had, the little thing that we had, and started with that. And we managed, we did everything to make sure that during early years, we use what we made in terms of profit to grow the business. And I think that is the right attitude to have when you start, and especially when in a frontier market like the DRC, because I don't want to minimize the importance of external funding. I think external funding is very good, it's important, but in most early stage companies that have started in this frontier market, the majority of these startups or companies do not have access to funding during those early years. So you need to be able to start with what you have and grow the company through the profit or anything that you get out of that. And then definitely by the time when you do it successfully, definitely people tend to have access to capital that will even enable them to grow further. And the challenge now is that how do we make sure that we have systems that enable people to identify those promising early stage companies and invest in them because it's only few that survive. So if we now we put systems in place that identify those early stage companies in this frontier market and then support them and help them to grow, that will be a very interesting, uh, good thing to do because in most cases, what lacks and makes like the situation very difficult for most companies operating in countries like the DRC. Yeah, exactly. Like you touched upon, that is very important, not only for like, on the one hand, importance of domestic resource mobilization and really much investing in those companies that are going to be the drivers of economic transformation, especially in LDCs. And on the other hand, 
the, the importance of information sharing, the importance of, you know, learning about the market, the importance of learning the specificities that come into play, not only from the private sector and especially for small and medium enterprises, but also yes. more generally the environment the social and governance aspects that come into play in a country like the DRC. So with this in mind, as you know, Shikala, we are around the clock to the fifth conference for the least developed countries in Doha, Qatar. So basically they're going to be defining a new program of action that is going to set up priorities for the LDCs that will help them reach the 2030 agenda. In your opinion, as a national of an LDC, working for LDCs in LDCs, can you tell us what the main priorities are in your view that for us as development practitioners, we should all be focusing on in serving the LDCs in the next 10 years? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I think it's important for the world to achieve the 23rd agenda. It's important that people in LDCs themselves participate really in the whole process. Because we have had a lot of discussions about different sectors in LDC countries, right? If you look at different sectors and what you see is that there are companies that come outside of those countries that they come and work mostly dominant and work in those sectors. But I think as long as we like those foreign companies and other companies to come and work, I think it's very important that the local sector, the local companies are also participate significantly in those sectors in order for us to achieve the 2030 agenda. So it's very important, but the question as we were discussing is the question about funding, right? How do we enable the local companies such as Altec access as much as funding? One of the priorities, first of all, is how do we engage the local, local companies in LDCs to be involved in really all these sectors that are related to the 2030 agenda and also find a way of finding those companies so that they can reach their potential. So this is one of the things that I think is very important that we should focus on. Indeed. Thank you so much, Washikala. We're wrapping up now. So you're a clear example of uh, turning a problem that you've lived yourself, like access to energy, into an opportunity for yourself, but most importantly for your community. So any message or advice you would like to share with fellow Congolese and nationals of LDCs that would like to start a business? Yeah, definitely. If you look at a country like the DRC and you analyze every sector, what you see is that this is a country of full of challenges, full of opportunities, and uh, that some people call challenges. That is good, but it's full of opportunities. Almost every sector begs some sort of disruption or, or leapfrogging, right? So this presents a lot of opportunities for young people in LDCs, for people living in LDCs, and they should just embrace these challenges and take them as opportunities. And definitely, and the, we have the 2030 agenda, which is, I think, is a noble agenda. And in order for us, for LDCs, to achieve this agenda, they really have to own. They have to own it. And owning it is basically means that we really need to engage ourselves in developing solutions to address those problems that are identified 
And so that we can get to a level that you can say that, yeah, definitely, I've done what is possible to achieve the 2030 agenda. So what I'm trying to say in that is that NDCs are full of opportunities that people, young people living in these countries should own and take advantage of by developing solutions to address them. Merci, 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 Washikala. Thank you so much for joining us today. You've shared with us a story of friendship, a story of resilience, a story of capital and a story of southern perspectives, but most importantly, a story of ownership. Own it, own it, own it, the 2030 agenda, so that you can all contribute to making it happen by 2030. So thanks to you and thanks to our audience for joining in on Capital Music, CNCF podcast, where we focus on fresh ideas that make finance work for the poor in LDCs and beyond, like the DRC. Please leave us a comment, throw in some DMs. You can use your hashtag Capital Musings to comment on this podcast and others. Please share your ideas. Let's start a conversation. Let's continue this conversation, especially for now. Let's boost it up since the road to Doha is very close. Until next time and take care. Thank you.